0: hey everybody welcome to latter-day struggles this is your host valerie today i have with me a good friend of mine fellow therapist colleague um and uh a beginning co-host with me he used to co-host with me all the time and he's back to visit hi brandon How?
1: hey are you? valerie i'm good thanks good. for having me back i appreciate it
0: it's really good to have you it's always good to have a fun talk um, about some sort of a deep, deep dive subject in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from the standpoint um, of two therapists, because we have we have to kind of walk the intersection between psychology and um, and religion, which is yes. not always an easy walk to walk, as we both know.
1: No, it's not. <laughs> yes.
0: So so Brandon and I come together today, both wanting to talk a little bit about that murky water that the bishop has to walk in and what the bishop's role can be and in our opinion maybe should be i know that's a word we use um, um mm-hmm. seldom <laughs> but right sometimes bishops do better in certain roles than in others sometimes they do wonderful beautiful work and help a lot of people and in other cases you and i know have probably done therapy to help people overcome some trauma and some wounds that um have happened um at the hand of uh, willing and, um, desiring to be helpful bishops, but their work ends up not being very helpful. And it sometimes can hurt people. Any thoughts you have, um, right off out of the gate on that Brennan?
1: Well, my first, my first thought is just, uh, I could tell you some stories <laughs> that would be, uh, you know, that it would blow your mind about some things that I've heard through the years. Of the way that bishops have handled things, the the other thing I want to say before we really dive into this discussion is, um, bishop, most bishops I believe are doing the best that they can, yeah. um, and so bo- both exist. These are men doing the best that they can, and then sometimes these are prideful men who yeah. cause harm. Yeah. Um, and so I think it is important for us to talk about what role and what is important for for a bishop to understand about how to truly help people.
0: Yes. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I believe there is an absolute <laughs> bishops are, 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 are not unlike everybody else, meaning that there's no cross section in the entire world of really decent people trying to do their best um, in whatever right. capacities are professionally or personally at church, at home, at school, whatever. And then there's also some ones that um, really um, struggle and get, Um, and practice a lot of unrighteous dominion and um, justify very bad behavior in the name of of calling priesthood, God, and they really do a lot of damage. And so it's, it's just like everywhere else. They, they're all kinds of them.
1: But, but it kind of speaks to the problem, Valerie, of if these are men just doing the best that they can, or if these are prideful men with unrighteous dominion, the either way, what's really kind of dangerous and scary is the pedestal that they get put on. Right. um you know and then when people are in really vulnerable situations they go into a man doing the best he can or a prideful man mm-hmm. and either one can harm somebody in a really vulnerable situation right
0: absolutely and we've seen that firsthand i mean that's um part yes. of our practice uh and just to sort of circle back to the idea that you had about us putting a bishop on the pedestal that is part of Um, part of a large part, I think of the problem, I think sometimes because there is some sort of cultural conditioning around what a Bishop's responsibility is, um, what they're capable and competent of helping us overcome. Um, that is probably the first order of business that we need to sort of like talk about because most of the time when there's crisis, when people are the most vulnerable, Um, honestly, the bishop is probably not the first place to come because um, nine and a half times out of 10, they don't have the skill set and the training to meet with people in any kind of a productive way when there is deep crisis.
1: Exactly. Um, Yet yet we are taught as members of the church that my bishop is the person who receives revelation Mm -hmm. from God to help me. And so I go to my bishop for guidance and help Mm -hmm. And, and oftentimes, you know, how do, I, how do I know that that guidance and help is coming from God or coming through the lens of that man right. who's just like shooting from the hip? Well, we've talked uh,
0: firsthand. I think you and I both know of if you talk to a very earnest bishop or a, or a past bishop and they talk about the first time someone came in uh, with um, pretty serious um, or complex Issues. Say, for example, um, anything in the sexual realm. Ninety-nine percent of yeah, the times, that, the bishops are. That just... is always
1: the thing, right? <laughs>
0: um, and it's always like I didn't even know what they were talking about, much less how to answer their questions. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I get a kick out of those kinds of conversations. It was, and the, and the and the problem is, is that most of the time they've been conditioned to sort of like take a deep breath and sort of like wait for you know. Um, revelation to fall upon them somehow and give them a skill set that so it takes the, the rest of us, you know, multiple years to have any kind of a, like even a cursory understanding of. And then and then they're supposed to say something. And so most of the time, I well, I shouldn't say most often they move into sort of like BS mode and they do a yeah. lot of damage as if in some ways they feel like, well, if I really hold the priesthood and I really have this calling, then somehow I need to provide them with something. And so then there's this mutual collusion between a bishop um, trying to um, be someone with training he doesn't have and a ward member who's needing something desperately from this person that they give a lot of credibility to. And it's a dance of destruction between these two people.
1: Yes, that is such a good point, Valerie. And. And, you know, I think that's hard to say, but the reality is, is, is bishops are faking it in many ways because, yes. and they feel like they have to, because they yes. have to show up as a leader and they have to show up to give the help, but they don't know what the heck they're talking about.
0: <laughs> Would you want to, do you want to re-say that? <laughs> <I'm just kidding.
1: laughs>
0: and and like to speak into what you're just describing, it's a setup. It's yeah. a setup. It's, it's not, I have, and I've often, I've mentioned this many times on the podcast. I I have a lot of compassion for these guys. It would be sort of the same as me. Like what if I, um, for example, was called to be a calculus, a high school calculus teacher. (laughs) Right. And someone said to me, listen, you're a, you're a really good person and you're kind. And, um, you believe in calculus. I mean, you know, you believe that bridges are built with, and it's like, well, I sure do, but you don't know how to do calculus. You've never built a bridge, but I believe that if you just show up in this place, it's going to be okay. And so I'm like, okay, I'll I'll just get there and I'll do it. And um and here I'm, uh, the, I'm leading with the fact that I don't do math well at all. Right. I don't even help my you know I after about the third grade I pass that right off to my husband. I know <laughs> I don't know it. And right. um and so but if I were to be set up to be in a position to share um, a skill set that I legitimately don't have, and I'm also led to believe that if you really trusted in god you somehow would receive that skill set i mean my goodness what a setup for failure and the thing that i think is so challenging about this is it's putting desperate and vulnerable people um, in harm's way because they're coming to that person as if they had the skill set i'm thinking about like like i said sexual issues in general marriage counseling which you and i both know is highly complicated even people that go into the counseling field i would say Maybe you can correct me if you think I'm wrong here. 80% of people that go into counseling don't do marriage counseling. It's too hard. It's too yes. hard for even yes. people with advanced degrees. Yes. Um anything around addiction, I think even grief issues are, yep. are they're a high skill set. And certainly people that go through anything that um I would call trauma. Those, right. those are not bishop variety kinds of things to be talking to your bishop about, unless the only caveat I give there. Is when they come in the bishop has one job and one job well two i'm gonna say two they have the job to offer immense amounts of love and then to outsource and be the, the the they they send them where they need to go to be put in competent and capable and loving hands
1: yes the uh, well it's just like your your math analogy yeah. it's really it's a setup for the bishop yet it's not that hard and and what i mean is it just requires a little bit of humility and not so much pride for you to be able to say, wow, that sounds really hard. And I don't know how to help you, but I do know some people that possibly could, and and it's that simple. All you have to do as a Bishop to help to like really help somebody and really be there for them is admit that you don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no. And (laughs) it's, 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 it's simple. But it's not easy.
1: <laughs> right.
0: I think that sort of um, brings us to the sort of the, the institutional problem of what we what we hand, um, you know, it speaks into patriarchy, it speaks into sort of this idea of leadership and what it means to be a bishop, um, and the desire to advance in status and calling and in sort of um, the false traditions that we talk about in terms of your expectation to have the spirit and what it means to have the spirit. It, it's all of these things prevent many good men from being able to do the, the most Christ-like thing, which is, is to say, you know what, this is so painful. And I am happy to sit here with you in the pain for a moment and, or more than one, you know, for moments, lots of moments. And just to offer you my love and be a window through which you can see God's love. Mm-hmm. And then also let you know that I am not going to be able to help you with this particular thing. And as a matter of fact, if I were to try, it would actually probably hurt you. And so yeah. I can't do what you, you know, and I think, and, and it's kind of an education process. It's like, I'm not a specialist in sexual issues.
1: Right. It's important.
0: Right. They matter. I can tell you're suffering. And so it, the worst thing I could do for you is to pretend like I'm an expert in this one. Yes. I am not.
1: Yes. I love, so I've worked a lot with bishops and, mm-hmm. um, I gave a presentation once at a, at a, at a ward and the state president came up to me afterwards and said, the only difference between me and you is people have to pay to talk to you. And that's what the state president said to me. Yeah. Ouch. Um, oh dear. Oh, and, yeah. and I've gone blows on with bishops over certain things like, mm-hmm. man, you sure. need to let some things go. Yeah. But I love bishops who they, they're so humble and they come and they say, teach me, like just help me, yes. help me understand um, I don't know how to do this or how to handle a wife with a ton of betrayal. And like, what's the best thing that I can do? Like those type of men, those are the men we need in those callings.
0: Oh, I, and I'm right there with you. My heart is so soft for bishops in general, even the ones that struggle. I feel like it's, they, they like struggle with the pride and the sort of like, um, taking on the responsibility to be sort of the expert in all things because they hold this mantle and this calling. I feel sorry for them because the system has set them up to fail. And it's sure. even given them the ego. They've given. They, it's almost like they have been. The system has um, legitimized the, mis, the the deception that they feel in themselves, right? And so yes. I feel bad for those folks. Although I have to say, I have worked with, and I'm sure you probably have too. So in the Midwest, where the church is, you know, sparser than in Utah, um, I would see strings of people that would come to me from infamous bishops, not because the bishops sent them to me um, as a referral source, these would be the kind of bishops that would never send somebody to a therapist. It was almost like the people that had gone through some PTSD following the bishops administration. And I would hear over and over again, the stories that were shared and the, the shaming and the, you have to call me every night and report on every mistake. You like that, that kind of weird stuff. And then, you know, and then, and then on the other, on the flip side of it, um, some, some superstar bishops that I, um, had a great relationship with. I can think of several that are just coming, like, you know, my mind's eye is seeing these various men who are just the absolute most humble, loving people that all they want to do is truly minister. Yeah, they just want to minister. And ministering, is oddly enough, Brandon, I was pondering our conversation today, earlier this morning, and I was thinking, you know, I am a, I bring this up frequently, but whatever, it's good. I'm the primary (laughs) chorister at my ward. And I'm not convinced our jobs in many ways are very different in terms of what matters most. I stand before the children and help them feel the infinite love of heavenly parents in Jesus Christ. And I choose songs that direct them to the infinite nature of their lovability. Shouldn't
1: that be true for every role (laughs) at church? Amen, brother. Like That
0: is how we create a community that is bound in in truly what a, a spiritual community is supposed to be. Now, whether or not you're a bishop and have a larger stewardship or a primary chorister. But I mean, he's he's over the youth to do that. I'm over the children. I basically hand my beautiful primary children over to the bishop as they move into the youth and say, thank you, please, please, bishop, please carry this the way I have set you up, that these children are not necessarily interested in the dogma and the doctrine. They may right. feel it. They may get it. I'm I'm hoping that they get something that is sound and that is actually congruent with the eternal nature of truth and their their soul's desire to return to heavenly parents. But beyond that, there's not much that's more important that I hand over to the bishop than like you are over the youth program. Love them well. right? Help them feel like they want to be in this community. And that's all primaries for me. I want them to come to church and just be like so excited to get through that darn sacrament meeting so they can get to primary and feel right. excited and loved. And I want right. that to be the youth program too. I want that to be what the bishop does more than anything else.
1: Yes. And, and it's it, so it's, it's that simple. Yeah. Right. And, and really that to me is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Like let's love God and love our neighbor. Yeah. And so when our neighbor is struggling, have them experience love from us and support. Um, but the, bi- the bishop, I think they're, they're told to give counsel. And I, Valerie, I, I really want to give a horror story and, and the re- okay. I want to for a reason okay. um, to 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 make a point yeah. um, in my world of betrayal, trauma, and sex addiction. Um, I hear about couples going to bishops like right after discovery of wow. affairs and discovery of things okay and, and i 'm going to tell this story this story is actually not a specific story because i 've heard it several different times. Um, Couple goes in and he's, he got caught either. He's consuming pornography a lot and masturbating all the time, or he's cheating on her. And they sit down with the Bishop and the Bishop says two things, turns to her very quickly and says, are you are are you starting your forgiveness process? Oh dear. So that that's one thing that yeah. yeah but before like really understanding the pain and the mm-hmm. the grief that she's in and yeah. everything that that's going on, it's 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 time for you to forgive. Um, the second thing that is often said is maybe you should be more available for him. Yeah. And and, and so here's the point that I want to make, Valerie is. When you take a a woman in that position and her world has just crumbled, just everything about it has shattered. And she goes to look for guidance from God through the Bishop. And the message is you need to give him more sex Mm -hmm. or it's time for you to forgive. It leaves her at a loss. There's this, this dark pit of hopelessness there of, oh my gosh, like that's the answer that does not feel right. That's the last thing that I want to do. And, and the reason I bring this up, Valerie, is, you know, we're saying bishops need to be humble and teachable. I think members also need to be aware at, to, to not pedestal their bishops too much and to realize that oftentimes they're wrong. And oftentimes they get it wrong. Yes. Right.
0: Yeah. The the word I keep using that I think is just, it's so core to what we are trying to do, um, you and I, in our various ways, Brandon, is we're trying to teach people how to be wise stewards of their own brains. (laughs) And we're helping them try to cultivate psychological agency. Because if it doesn't feel right, we need to dignify that God endowed us with a sense. That things don't feel right. And oftentimes we need to listen to that sense and that feeling. But yet what we often do is we allow our programming to trump that inner sense of that doesn't feel right. And, well, he is my authority figure, therefore... Who receives revelation from me. Yes. So it's almost like we sort of um, leave our brains in a bucket at the door sometimes.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: In the service of obeying or um, regarding the priesthood authority, and we don't actually think it through. The the scenario that you just described, sadly, I know, is not a one-time thing, um, is is really a woman who is experiencing not only has she recently experienced the trauma of the discovery of her of her husband's s- situation but she's now in a secondary traumatic experience yep. being asked to do that which is not psychologically healthy or whole for herself or even um, incidentally for the marriage and once again yep. you're sitting in the uh, you know you're sitting in the uh, space with someone who is um trying their hardest doing their best and completely misinformed. Yes.
1: And even call, actually, yeah. oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say we call it clergy-induced multidimensional trauma. Yes. Because it's yes. like it's this like just whirlwind of mm-hmm. oh my gosh I'm like I am at a loss I don't yes. know what to do now.
0: Well, and I think what we what you're describing to me brings up in me sort of uh, again uh, when the intersection of faith and psychology goes poorly, which is well, if we were really to kind of just like like. Um, if we were able to sort of simplify everything down to like the first principles and ordinances of the gospel, well, okay. You know, what Bishop couldn't do that? Well, who could go wrong there? Well, fact of the matter is they can go wrong because while repentance and forgiveness is, um, you know, primary to our faith, there is a time and a place when forgiveness needs to be looked at. And that is a very, very complex and nuanced topic. And what we tend to sometimes, it's a process, it's a huge process and there's a time for it. But what we tend to do without any sort of training and background in the nature of trauma and the nature of healing is we do something that is often called, oftentimes called spiritual bypassing, which is I don't necessarily, I'm not comfortable with how you're feeling. I'm not comfortable with the negative feelings that you're associating with something that, that is deserving a lot of negative feelings. I don't like you to feel that. So I'm going to go ahead and just throw this little gospel principle at you and tell you you need to forgive him because that's going to make me more comfortable because I don't know what else to do to help you in your pain. Yes. And we do that all of the time,
1: which invalidates that pain. And it,
0: Yes. And what it ends up doing, um, you know, paradoxically is that kind of counsel, um, is actually fast tracking that couple to, um, the, the falling apart of their marriage, because if yes. that woman is not able to ultimately, um, feel the intensity of the grief and the trauma and the betrayal, then she will never be able no. to resentment, move th- disconnection, th- yes,
1: exactly. like all yes. these things are going to start to happen. And it's because
0: yeah. something deep within her is telling her that I have legitimate pain and suffering that needs to be validated and dignified before I can even begin to think about something like forgiveness and restitution and anything yes. that looks like intimacy, sexual or otherwise. But once again, yeah. what you and I are talking about, Brennan, it took us years to get to the point to where we can finally like begin to understand this, and then help walk, help even wrap words around the pain and suffering that people feel. And so, again, this you'll so never know how to do that,
1: right? And uh, I want to see if you can understand the question I'm asking here. Okay. But what's your opinion on read your scriptures and pray? Do, do you understand what I'm <laughs> I asking? I do. You, yeah, you,
0: say no more. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and the reason why I'm laughing is because on the surface, like that's. We should be right. I mean, it's a good idea.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's not. Those aren't bad things, we're not. We're not <laughs> right. ripping on that. Right.
0: right. Yeah. And yet what you're what you're what what we're riffing on is that that tends to be the I'm in panic and I don't know what to tell this suffering person to do about whatever it is they're bringing to me. Therefore, what I'm going to lead with is brother or sister if only you would read your scriptures and say your prayers you can throw and go to the temple, do more. Yeah. Think, evening. Go
1: to church. and Right. Yeah. Right.
0: All of those things. If, if you will do that, then these are all of the, the you know, the, the, everything obvious will get better outcomes, which will like make things better, make things go away. And it, and we can kind of apply that to almost anything people bring into the bishop. If the bishop is trying, um, if, if they're not, I mean, I mean this respectfully, but if they're, if they're out of their lane, and they don't know what to do and they're overwhelmed, that is most generally what, what they're telling what us. What they'll tell mm-hmm. you, yeah. And so what we're doing in that is number one, it's it's extremely invalidating of the actual pain and suffering of, of the, the person on the other side of the desk. Um, and it also, once again, it's a paradox, but this is one fast way to activate, um, fast track somebody into a faith and trust crisis because yes. nine times out of 10, if they're deeply suffering, they've already tried those things. (laughs) yes, And um, that hasn't worked. It hasn't been enough. And so what ends up happening is it's like, well, I've done those things and the windows of heaven are closed. I'm not Mm -hmm. feeling it. Or I've done these things and it's not healing my child. It's not healing my marriage. It's not healing this. God has forsaken me. I have been forsaken because I have this very, in this case, I have a very simplistic transactional um, safe yes. kind, kind of experience. If I do this, then I do that. Therefore, if I do this and God doesn't hold up his end of the deal, what does that spirit, mean? then what that means is I am truly alone. Yep. And so yep. It, what else do you have to add to that?
1: Well, no, I mean that you just nailed it. it yeah. And it's, you know, the fact of the matter is, is from my experience, um, like I, I treat sex addiction, but from my experience, reading your scriptures and praying doesn't take away mental illness um, and and it doesn't resolve deep trauma wounds. It can help. I recommend people to pray all the time. I think it's really therapeutic. Um, But everything that you just said is true. It, It leads to this, you know, I'm working with a a kid who's trying to go out on his mission and you know he's supposed to go 6 months without masturbating and mm-hmm. the bishop has prescribed scripture reading and prayer to get him to stop masturbating and he's masturbating every 3 months so he's this 20 almost 21 year old kid everybody knows like hey what's wrong with him oh gosh you know he can't get out on his mission oh, he's reading read. his scriptures and praying as hard as he possibly can yeah. but but it, it, i just see the shame start to get created there of yeah. like what i'm i am doing what my bishop's telling me to do yet nothing's getting better and yeah, it, yeah. it is feelings of forsaken
0: yeah well happened. and it, it, in some ways it's almost just kind of like um there's there's uh you know someone i, I have a, a memory of uh, working with a couple and just them not connecting like not being able to understand one another and uh-huh. you know his efforts in this case the the male partner the husband was really trying okay And the female partner was just wanting to receive, but they were disconnected. And I just will never forget this. She said, you know, it's like, I'm in the middle of a desert, desperate for water. And you hand me a diamond. She's like, diamonds Hmm. are great. And in another context, that might be exactly what I want, but I'm, I need water.
1: Give me me a glass of water, please. (laughs) And I think that's
0: what we're trying to talk about here is in some cases, um, what the bishops may have to say is incredibly relevant and important in the right context. But in the wrong context, somebody who is dying in the desert might end up actually dying because they are not getting the kind of counsel that they desperately need. You can
1: dump a bucket of diamonds on them (laughs) and they will dehydrate and die. Exactly. They will die.
0: Okay. So let's ask, let's just address one more topic before um, we end up. I'm, I'm thinking about how some folks may be wondering about, okay, so how does a bishop address issues um, with the youth, right? I mean, as far as like um, belief and practice and things like that, let's just talk a little about what is their role and responsibility, especially in this changing world where um, I've actually kind of noticed that if you get them offline, many people many people actually are really pushing up against some of the same social issues and are are not necessarily lining up um, with some of the, the the party line of the church. But you got a bishop here who's like, I'm holding this calling, so I'm supposed to say this, but I don't really feel this. Uh, I see. How, you see what I'm saying?
1: I, yeah, there's, there's an incongruency there yes. within that bishop even. Yes. Saying, mm-hmm. saying what they think they should, but not really believing it. Yes, and, and they want to
0: keep these kids though. They know they have... Um, influence and they had the capacity to really help um, youth not feel alone and lonely and ostracized in the church. And I'm actually asking this because it's something that I haven't quite wrapped my own brain around. So let's just t- spend a second talking about this,
1: yeah. this, this,
0: this tender area.
1: Well, my, my, just my daughter, I'm kind of watching her start this a little bit yeah. and my daughter's kind of fearless in many ways mm-hmm. and so she's 14 year old girl she just had an interview with the bishop she just started the seminary and in the interview with the bishop I'm, i was asking well, how'd it go she and and he, the bishop asked her well you know how do you feel about joseph smith and she said well i think joseph smith and brigham young did some pretty bad things and she said that to the bishop Yeah, and she's like and i don't understand that um and then in seminary she kind of brought it up to like you know didn't the history of the church isn't there some like really interesting stuff there yeah, and both fair. her seminary teacher and her bishop gave her the the same answer and this was the answer that she's gotten is yeah a, a lot of those things happened but they happened for a reason but we just don't know why they all happened and, oh, wow. and we don't need to worry about that so right?
0: so they implemented the shelf strategy
1: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> put yeah. put doubt your doubts, put that aside yeah. um you know we we don't want to go there, especially with you, a vulnerable fourteen year old girl who can be swayed in many different ways mm. um uh, let's just have you learn how to shelf things wow. and and just fall back into to line with gaining yeah. your testimony right yeah. um and i I actually I think that's really problematic
0: i do too yeah. yes i do too I, there, I i could go in one of two directions on this i'll try to hit both briefly um the first thing that i think is so important for us to do as parents and also as we're able to in in callings in the church is actually um be speakers of truth we don't need to be yes. um we don't need to be belligerent we don't need to be um character attacking but i think we also need to give our youth the gift of authenticity in other words to your daughter Yes. You're absolutely right. Things have happened in our in our history and have not been addressed. Yes. And as your bishop and as your seminary teacher, we're going to look at those things. And we're going to address right. them and we're going to acknowledge them and we're going to help you internalize for yourself on your own terms
1: how you how want you, to navigate
0: how you want to navigate that. But there's nothing that evokes a faith and trust crisis more than having a leader, a respected leader, a seminary teacher, a Sunday school teacher, a bishop, basically look us in the face and and, and say what you are legitimately concerned with is um, is not legitimate.
1: Please truly. stick your head in the sand. Yes. That's the answer: is to stick yeah. that head in the sand because mm-hmm. that's what you need to do.
0: And and that in in and of itself is so unethical um, that yeah. if, if, if a bishop or a uh, a seminary teacher has the, there, and they're, it's, it's such a sacred calling and responsibility. I think these youth are vulnerable um, in this world and there's a lot, they're just developmentally going through a lot of angsty stuff. And so I think the the most powerful leaders in the church of our youth are the ones that are able to head on address these things in a way that helps the youth see that like, I get you, I see you because you know what? The youth will completely lose respect for those leaders because yes. they have the tr- there we already have enough that has been exposed through the internet and whatnot that what the shelf strategy is um is is ever less effective as the months and yes. years go by and thank goodness yes. right we don't need the- and want that because that's why our church is going through such a crisis as it is Is people are finding these things they're feeling deceived by their parents by their leaders by the church by the enzyme and now it's like no, no no if we want to even have a chance to help these individuals these youth we have to say, yes, yeah, some really bad things happened. Um, we have had as a church institutionally a hard time owning up to, to some pretty serious and significant problems. And we really need to just look at how me- we make mistakes. Leaders make mistakes, parents make mistakes, you make mistakes um, and the church has made mistakes and we need to do a better job of admitting that. And even if the church, the the, big, the capital C church isn't doing it in this ward and in this seminary class, we will.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which I, that- oh, I think there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of repercussion to yeah. saying, we'll, we'll talk openly and we'll go there. You know, it, can that seminary teacher keep his job? You know? <laughs> and that was actually
0: my point number two, which is um, I've gotten to the point to where I, um, and I think this is a process for all of us, right? Is um, I am more interested in truth telling than in institutional loyalty. Amen. So in words, if someone is going to be released or lose their calling, um, but the requirement of keeping their calling is that they have to collude in, in, in the dishonesty in the institutional dishonesty, then the calling is not, is not worth it It, because what I'm actually doing is I am, I am activating at least a present or even, or perhaps a future trauma in these, in these adolescents. And I'm not willing to do that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So
0: any final thoughts as we close up today,
1: this was fun, Valerie. I I I really appreciate uh, you letting me come on and talk about this and Hopefully that, you know, if people are listening, I'm sure there's a lot of different kind of thoughts and feelings that people have when we talk like this, but hopefully that they can just evaluate their experience, both as a leader in the church and their experience with their leaders and, and not just do it the old way, the yeah. pedestal way.
0: Yeah. We have to, uh, we have to have the courage ourselves, um, to be the change and to open our mouths. If we don't yeah. um see it, we can't change it. And if we don't speak up, then um the church will continue to sort of be governed by the status quo, which hurts people. And we're not, yep. we're not you and I are not interested in that, right?
1: No way. Nope. Yeah.
0: You guys, thank you so much for joining me and Brandon here today. I will definitely have you back. I thoroughly enjoy talking to you, Brandon. You're you're such a pleasure to 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 riff with about these deep topics. So yep.
1: thank yeah, thank you, Valerie. You're very Appreciate welcome. It.
0: Those of you who are enjoying this podcast who are really feeling um, seen and heard and, um, known through our conversations, I would invite you to continue to please, please, please do the following. <laughs> um, please share this podcast with those in your circles. Also, I really, um, really, really appreciate so many, uh, positive ratings and reviews. And so if you have not already done so, please rate and review this podcast. And, uh, once again, those of you who are interested in small group work, I am opening small groups for, um, people that are interested in actually uh, meeting a small community of people like you who are getting a lot of spiritual growth from this podcast. And I moderate those. And um, let me know if you're interested in joining one of those. Um, you can find me at info at ValerieHammerker.com at Instagram at latter Struggles Podcast. Okay. You guys good to be with you and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.